Hey, before we get started, I just wanted to say, as this being the 25th episode of the Wang Bang podcast, I wanted to thank all the faithful listeners that have listened throughout the first season. And for those of you who are not familiar with this podcast, this is a podcast where I talk life milestones, TV shows, movies, and most importantly, my number one love, the Golden State Warriors. Now, the other day, my wife and I were packing up the condo in preparation for our move into our new townhome. And she found all of my jerseys and asked me, do we really need to keep these Al Harrington, Kalen Azubuki, Steven Jackson, Baron Davis, Golden State Warrior jerseys? And my response to that in my best Walter White voice was, you're goddamn right. <laughs> it's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another Warrior Wang Bang webisode. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm joined once again by my very good friend, the Genio James Liao. How's it going, man? What's good? What's good? Well, the Warriors advance onto the Western Conference Finals with a series win over the New Orleans Pelicans in five games. It's exactly what we had predicted. Yeah, I think the game count, I mean, we actually got this one right. GSW in five uh, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it was pretty expected. Steph came back in game two, um, looked great that first game, but uh, kind of figured that he would be rusty the next couple, so he wasn't uh, as effective. But kind of game five, I think, was uh, rounding back into form a little bit. But I think for you know for Steph moving forward, it's just going to be what kind of uh, level can he get to uh, from a recovery perspective? Because in the Pelican series, um, you know, he really only played well you know in half the games that he played in yeah he, he definitely didn't look great in that uh that that game uh, i think it was the game three when we lost and yeah you know, even game four i think it was he wasn't really doing so much so much playmaking i mean he was scoring a lot but he wasn't really uh distributing as much as we usually see and, and it was finally in game five where i think he got up to seven or eight assists where you know he, he looked like the stuff of the old um i i do like that we he did come back early in the series not later even though he didn't look great as you said it still gives him that the reps he needs to be at the pace of the game he needs to yeah. be in playoff basketball to to work back into shape because you know in, in case you forgot i mean he basically wasn't playing for almost what two and a half three months um with the exception of that one atlanta game where javel mcgee fell into his knee yeah exactly he would because that was, what, five weeks from that injury? And then he was also out for, like, another two weeks or so for the uh, for the ankle injury. Exactly. Roughly, yeah. So he hadn't played for six to seven weeks at that point, basically. So it was um, – it's good. I mean, I definitely think game two was a good call to bring him back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, he was – you just kind of kind of read the situation. Like, in game four, he was uh, really kind of playing off ball a lot um, – KD had it going early, so just kind of feed the hot hand and feed the advantage that we had. You know, Steph just kind of picked his spots, and, and you know, so he he was used mainly as a decoy in that game. But, you know, KD was spectacular pretty much all series. I really, just everyone played bad in that game three, but mm -hmm. um, the rest of the series, KD was, I just couldn't guard him, so... 
Yeah, and that's something we talked about in this year's preview. The Pelicans really had nobody to throw at KD. I think they they had a little bit of Jeru Holiday, a little bit of each one more. Um, I think Miritich had had a little bit of a run at him, but KD, especially for that mid range, was basically automatic, and there was there was nothing the Pelicans Pelicans could do. The uh, the the other player that you brought up was Draymond Green. I mean, he was. He, he was dominant. I mean, I, I think you were the one that brought this up earlier. Uh, averaged a triple-double in the series. Yeah, it was. he was really good. I mean, the triple-double is really nice. I mean, you know, when you're making shots and stuff, the uh, the assist numbers will look good. But he's, you know, shooting the ball a little bit better. So um, that is good news for us, uh, you know, because he's just been so subpar this year shooting the three when he's completely wide open. He just made uh, a little bit more uh, in this series, so that that's always a good sign. And then, um, really, the biggest thing for him is the defense coming back. Like the intensity has been there, you know, during the series. He was guarding AD for long stretches, and you're not going to be able to get AD to miss too many shots. But he made life very difficult. And you know, if AD, if you can keep AD to 45 to 50 percent shooting, like you're, that's fine. You can live with that. Yeah, because it's like he's just too good. Like I just don't know. I mean, he's even Draymond did an excellent job on him, and then he still had two like thirty-five and fifteen games or whatever. That's just ridiculous. Like he was just still killing it. But like you said, you know, holding a you know, Draymond holding an eighty to you know forty-five fifty percent was enough for the Warriors to 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 win this series. And and to think about you know both Jeru Holiday and Anthony Davis still got theirs right. I mean, in, in, even in that closeout game, the two of them combined, I think, had somewhere like sixty-five points. Uh, Jeru Holiday had had a, a triple double that game. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who uh, unfortunately didn't play that second half, he actually averaged uh, I believe twelve assists per game in that series. So uh, all three of their their big players did contribute like they were supposed to. But yet the Warriors still won very convincingly. I mean, the you know Rondo's numbers were a little inflated. He had that twenty-one assist game. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the time, I mean, he played well, definitely. Um, you know, but the, all the other games, it was like, um, you know, it was actually just kind of typical Rondo, like you know him not taking shots and shooting poorly from the field. You know, us just baiting him into taking shots, and he just didn't really comply too much. So, and if he did, it just he didn't make it. He shot, I think, I'm looking at it right now, under 36% for Oof. the series. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like they just don't have enough guns to really keep up with us, and we and we knew that that was going to be the case. I thought that they had, they don't really have options, so they really could only put Holiday on Katie for a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in that game four, like Katie was just, it was like practice shots. I mean, he wasn't, he couldn't even see Holiday. So it was, I mean, it's a joke. So yeah, ultimately yeah. it's like, I don't know what they could, the roster construct just is not made to beat us. Uh, I'm looking at the stats now for Draymond. Like he shot eight of 20 on threes this series. So that's 40%. So yeah. um, small sample size, but I mean, if he can keep up into the, high 30s and 40s like you know we'll, we'll be in good shape he just needs to knock those open ones down that's the critical ones which is a great sign because we've we've needed that we we can't have teams sagging off of both Raymond and Iguodala when we're rolling out that death lineup yeah. because it, it just makes it makes taking it to the rack a lot harder when you're able to sag off those guys um, I want to talk about breaking out that death lineup because you know the Warriors were up 2-1 in the series had lost game 3 
and then broke out the death lineup to start game four and just blew him out of the water. I love the call by Steve Kerr. I, I thought it was, um, you know, the, the game four, I, I don't want to call that a, a must-win game, but we definitely didn't want to go back to Oakland with, with the pressure to need to win. I, I think us rolling out that death lineup and ditching all these experimental uh, starting lineups was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, that I, I agree. I mean, really, that's going to be... You know, as we kind of transition to the Houston series, I think that's that's going to be the one of the biggest problems, or not problems, but questions about you know what the coaching staff is going to do uh, with regards to the starting lineup. The more I think about it, the the more I don't think. At first, I thought maybe we can slide Javale in a little bit, but um, I I think there's just you just it's just going to be a lot of Looney and a lot of Bell, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, you could maybe start one of those guys in the starting lineup, um, and then bring out the the death lineup if you need to. But I mean, it is just going to be. I mean, Javale, if if they get switches on him, he, I mean, he's he can't guard it. Just, I just don't know how he can stay on the floor. Yeah, and going back to whether or not we use the death lineup, I I think we. It's it's a really strange thing to say since we're going into the series. Uh, without home court advantage, but I feel like game one we're actually playing with house money because we're not under the pressure to win, which is why we could go with something um, a little bit different. Um, I, I think you're right in the sense that starting JaVale would be too much of a risk because he's not a good pick-and-roll defender. He's not a good on-the-ball defender like Looney is, so I, I would not want to go back to that. I, I think we should start game one with the regular starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Durant, Draymond, and Kevon Looney and see how that goes. Because my concern is that if we start with the death lineup in game one and we don't win, then... No adjustment, basically. Exactly. You don't have to fall back on, basically. Exactly. So I think while we're still kind of playing with house money, we could roll out a more traditional uh, starting lineup in game one. And it's, it's difficult too to, to, um, cause I actually, I, I actually think the opposite. A lot of times like playoffs, it's, it's about making adjustments and stuff. So game one, you, a lot of it is just kind of feeling out the team. And especially we haven't played them in forever. Right. We haven't played them since like, I think like February or something like that. Like we literally haven't played Rockets in like three months. So, a lot of it is just really old tape, like, and the and the tape is inconclusive because you know KD didn't play in one game and Harden didn't play in another game, like, so it's just I think the game one is really gonna be uh, kind of feeling each other out and see what works and what doesn't, and you know I think if we can come out focused and win game one, it really puts the pressure on Houston to win the second one, mm-hmm. and for them it's you never know what's gonna happen. Like Harden's been folding the last couple of games, mm-hmm. uh, Harden was his numbers last series were not good. Mm-hmm. So from an efficiency standpoint, it's extremely bad. So 40.4% from the field, 29.5% from three. Like, he was bad. Yeah, who was guarding him anyway? Was it uh, Joe the Plumber Eagles, or was yeah. it... Uh, oh, there He's the substitute teacher. <laughs> or he's the stock photo guy. Which is <laughs> the free one. Whatever you want to... There's a billion different like <laughs> jobs and 
things that you can throw at Joe Ingles. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Plumber, car, car mechanics, the other good one. Yeah, car, car mechanic. <laughs> um, and then, you know, CP3s have to carry them. That might work against the Jazz, but, you know, if one of those guys have an off game, there's a good chance they're not going to beat us. So. Yeah. Yeah, and CB3 had the game of his life to close out the Jazz. 40 yeah. points, 10 assists, no turnovers, an insane bank shot three-pointer. I mean, you're right. It's not likely he's going to be able to to, to sustain that sort of no. level of play. And, and you know, as you and also, as you said, Harden, Harden is slowly beginning to fold, uh, kind of shrinking in the spotlight, similar to what we saw in last year's playoffs in Game 6 against the Spurs. He really had one good game in the, past, in the last series. Like, he had that yeah. good Game 1, and then every other game he was either, like, subpar or mediocre at best. Like, you know, out of, like, 20-something points, like, He's just kind of trotting along, and he was abysmal on defense. It's just going to be very interesting because, you know, there's so many different X factors, uh, you know, for us and for Houston. Like, you know, Capella and PJ Tucker are really going to be their their key role guys, and, you know, I think those are the guys that can really help them swing some games. Uh, And then for us, is being able to defend a lot of the stuff uh, that Houston does. So... How do we react to um, – we're basically exclusively going to go – I bet you we're going to exclusively go to a switching defense. Yeah. This, yeah. There's just like – I just can't see us trying to play conventional pick-and-roll defense against Harden and Capella. Like they would kill us. Like yeah. they just, they're so good, and it's just – you can't. You just have to live with the Harden or Chris Paul ISO. Yeah, and, and Kevon Looney has shown that he can he can do the switches on CP3. He's very disciplined, uh, doesn't leave his feet, is able to use his length to to bother guards when they try to take it to the hole. Um, you brought up Jordan Bell earlier. I, I can definitely imagine Jordan Bell getting minutes. His defensive uh, discipline is not as good i mean he's he has a horrible tendency uh, tendency to leave his feet on those pump fakes and chris paul and james harden are the masters of of the pump fakes and drawing fouls so i i agree with you that you know we we should you know switching everything um it uh, is the right way to go switching and switching early uh, not not getting you know not getting trapped in these no man's lands where you know David Lee used to be uh, yeah. <laughs> stuck I mean, all the time you know, falling back into coverage on pick and roll like they would kill you and you know switching also eliminates the lob threat to capella like the the rim running and it's like oh yeah capella wants to like do a post move on a smaller play like, go ahead like that's not good basketball. Like you want him like doing that, making post moves. That's cool. Like we'll live with that. It gets the ball out of Harden and Chris Paul's hand, you know? So if they want to try to use that for a, you know, advantage and go ahead, but I would rather just take away the lob threat, you know? Cause it's like, they're so deadly coming off the pick and roll. And it's like Paul or Harden coming off that driving down like the lane with a full head of steam. Like you don't want that. So the easiest way to combat that is to switch everything. Yeah, really, really, the key is just not, not to be beat off the dribble too yeah, much, and, and not, yeah, 
Yeah, and not not collapse so much that you leave that wide open corner three, which you know P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, Luke Mabute, these these I don't want to call them scrub players. They're, 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 yeah. yeah, they're very very good role players that that can get hot. I mean P.J. Tucker in that opening in that opening night game against us dropped twenty, and and that was you know his contributions were basically what swung that game for for the the Houston Rockets. Yeah. I mean, those uh, he, those guys are can be that. I, I still think Tucker and Capella are the X factors for them. Like, yeah. if those guys get going, like we are gonna have a hard time. Capella is gonna dominate us like he did against the Jazz. It's yeah. Houston's tough to beat, so you just gotta neutralize that. And but you know, we have much different personnel than the other teams that played Rockets, so they mm-hmm. haven't faced a, a really good switching team. Um, right. Know, playoffs. Right. So and, and they had the and these other teams haven't had. Uh, uh, MVP caliber scorers. I yeah. mean, Minnesota had a it, like a, a Jimmy Butler at eighty percent and a Carl Anthony Towns that just disappeared. Yeah, just Could, couldn't, couldn't even ball, post. Yeah. Couldn't even post up James Harden, which was which was a joke. And then the Jazz, you know, Donovan Mitchell was awesome, but he he. But it's a one man show. They just shut down the one man and make him into a volume shooter, and then you know. yeah. So we we definitely have a, a different. Uh, different group of people a different level of talent offensively to throw at them um but you do make a good point that clint capella and pj tucker are kind of the x factors in the series and i'm not saying from a scoring standpoint only they can kill us on the offensive rebounds especially yeah. if we go to that death lineup because yeah. the death lineup is the is smaller you know and, and granted very very feisty and we do have length but you know, playing the death lineup is very, very draining on them because they're switching so much, because they're closing out on everybody. Uh, I can definitely see long, spurt, long spurts of time or, or several possessions where we just give up, where we just give up two, three straight offensive rebounds. And uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, the guys like PJ Tucker and, and Clint Capella and Nene. Uh, you know, th- these are all guys that can come in and and really punk on us on the boards if if we're not if we're not careful. I think we need to look for opportunities to run too, even off makes and stuff like that. Just you know, they're just gonna try to muck up the game because that's what the Rockets do. They just low lower number of possessions and then just iso ball and you know melt the clock down. Look for the look for the mismatch and then you know try to exploit it. Yeah, a lot, yeah, lot, um, lot of half court sets. Um, yeah, it's just like literally. I mean, it's just the they just their offense is like super predictable, but you just can't do anything to guard it. You know, it's like they don't run any crazy actions or anything like that. They just run uh, a high pick and roll with whoever they want switched on to Harden or um, Paul. And then if you do a conventional pick and roll, then you just you know Harden or Paul coming off the screen with room to move and then capella running to the rim and then if somebody collapses you pass it to a shooter like i mean the offense is not some crazy complicated thing yeah it's, it's just it's just pick and roll either yeah, it's pull just, up for the jumper and throw and the lob or yeah they yeah. have such incredible iso players and then they have a bunch of guys that shoot threes and it's like that's pretty much it like <laughs> i don't know like it's mm-hmm. not complicated but it's just hard you know yeah uh, still yeah. hard to cover sometimes so mm-hmm. Well, on, on that note, let's let's talk about some specific matchups. Uh, I think this one's pretty obvious, but who guards Harden? Yeah, I mean, probably you would – if you're going to st- start Looney, then, yeah, you would probably just start with 
I mean, again, we're going to switch everything. So, um, for the most part, you'll probably have Clay or, you know, KD or somebody that's on Harden. But eventually, they're just going to they're just gonna try to get a switch uh, so he has an advantage. Whether it's Loon or, you know, Steph, they might try to, you know, yeah. come at Steph, too. So, um, you know, it really kind of depends. But, I mean, either one of those guys, I think, would be okay guarding him. But I would probably put Clay on him to start and then... Um, or maybe KD, uh, and then, you know, if you have uh, Chris Paul in the game too, then you can put K- uh, Clay on him. I think tr- historically, Clay actually plays Harden pretty well, so I like that matchup. Um, Harden really doesn't play super well against us. I think he averages, like, shooting in the low 40s uh, with three-point percentages in the mid-30s. So not great. Um, I, I think Clay on the flip side is also has numbers right around there, which is fine if, if Clay matches what Harden produces on offense. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I am a little more curious about the CP3 matchup. Um, I, I feel like, you know, Steph is, Steph is a good – has held his own against him over the years. I mean, the, the Warriors have – punked on the Clippers, the the Chris Paul led Clippers for, you know, 10 straight games. And a lot of those times, I I believe Steph was matched up against CP3. Yeah. I mean, and again, um, it's not going to matter as much um, in a switching type scenario. So you can just start by putting Steph on him. That's fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, And then, you know, they'll just initiate some sort of switch. They'll do a hard end Paul pick and roll and they'll try to switch. Stephon Harden. Yeah, and it's not so much the individual mat- matchups, but it's more of how disciplined we are on the Yeah, on the I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Kim Durant. You know, it's like they're not going to be able to guard KD. I mean, they have some guys that can make it tough, um, as, about as tough as, you know, you can make it for KD, you know, with, you know, Luke and, you know, Gerald Green has good size and he's not a good defender. But, like, Ariza, like, um, you know, Luke, all both of those guys – well, already, and then they can probably even put P.J. Tucker on him a little bit. I mean, you know, but, you know, Harden or Paul or anything like that, it's just, you know, KD's just going to shoot over all of those guys. So, uh, but, I mean, they have some good size, so I think, you know, they'll try to make it tough for Kevin, but if he if he gets into his own, like, there's no guarding him. So if, if he just gets going like he did in game four, like, you just can't guard him. It doesn't matter who he's on him. So. I would say they, they do have – probably more wings that they could throw at Kevin Durant than most other teams. I mean, though, though I would say the Spurs, they, they had Danny Green, they had Kyle Anderson, you know, they had Rudy Gay, though Rudy Gay is a shitty, a shitty defender, but yeah, they had, they had length. They had smart quote unquote, smart defenders to throw at KD, but really you're right in the end. It, it doesn't make a difference once KD's in the zone, yeah. especially, especially from the mid range. But so, I mean, Ariza and Bamute uh, are much longer. They're both good defenders. Like, Bamute's a great defender. Uh, Ariza, you know, he's lost a step a little bit, but he's still really long and moves his feet well. I mean, he's a, he's a good defender, you know. And uh, it's just, it's going to be tough. Like, he, they're going to be able to limit uh, Katie's looks a little bit, I think. Uh, but, you know, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put Houston's defense to the test. Like to the max with our motion offense, because it's just going to be so different. They haven't played anyone in the playoffs that play with our kind of movement. Like, yeah, it, it, it's so hard to, to to think about it from the other way, just just because the Rockets have been so hot and 
we don't have the home court advantage that you know for some reason mentally I I, I think that we're you know we have to play the matchup with them I, I forget that they also have to be able to match up to us they have to have an answer for Steph Curry they have to have an answer for Clay Durant Draymond Green etc so, yeah um, that being said uh, what are your what are your predictions on the series we'll do the we'll win game one and then uh, win the two at home to go a three one, and then close it out back in Oakland uh, in Game Six. So I'm picking us in in six games. Yeah, I, I have Warriors in six also, but I, I actually think we split uh, games one and two, and then split games three and four, and then take five and six. I think, I think there's a, there's a high possibility of that just because um, you know the, the Warriors have played both teams, yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is, the Warriors have shown that you know games three and games four, they you know there's always just that that lull where we just lose focus, shoot terribly. Draymond has eight turnovers in the first quarter, you know something like that that we just can't bounce back from. Where stupid, you know the the Rockets are going to get hot from three and go up thirty on us in the first quarter or something. So definitely definitely a possibility that we we drop on at home as well but i i think how good steph has come back from that injury has, has really uh been encouraging and and makes me think that the warriors are going to take this in six uh, i yeah. know in one of the earlier pods i i had said that we would we might lose we might lose to this rockets team in seven um but I, I think just the way that Steph's looked and how automatic Katie's been, I, I think we t- and how much James Harden has folded, really, um, I, I think we're we're taking this in six. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's I think it's going to be you know coming if Steph can be eighty five ninety percent, that's going to be really hard to overcome um, yeah. if you're in Rockets. All right, man. Well, it was uh, good talking to you again, and uh, look forward to recapping a series win uh, over Houston in the future. All right, man. Go Warriors. Go Warriors. Take care. All right. It's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to.